Hello everyone, this is Dr. Amig, your friendly rheumatologist from Unabridge MD for another episode of our podcast Unabridge MD. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing one of my colleagues and very good friend from Seattle, Dr. Dada. She's also a rheumatologist like me, and she has a very, very big and thriving practice in Seattle. Um, Dr. Dada, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited. We're going to talk about gout. Um, do you want uh, maybe to introduce yourself a little bit more? Oh, yeah, I would I would totally love to. Thank you, Dr. Amigis, for having me on Unabridged MD. I am ecstatic to be here. Um, I am Arinola Dada. I've been a rheumatologist for the last 20 years. I totally love my practice. We take care of people with autoimmune diseases, gout, rheumatoid arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis. Um, yeah, we have a YouTube channel called Healthy Joints, Healthy Lifestyle, where we try to basically talk to patients and, you know, and kind of help people to understand their autoimmune conditions or arthritic conditions a little more. So we help people with joint pain become pain-free and people with autoimmune disease get their immune system back on track. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Excellent. So let's jump right in. Can you tell us a little bit what is gout? Okay, so gout is a condition where the body is not able to process the breakdown products of protein, right? So protein gets broken down and eventually forms this uric acid. And when it forms uric acid, the body, uh, for some people, they're not able to clear it as well as others. And so men are less likely to be able to clear it than women. Um, if you're overweight, you may have more trouble clearing it. If your kidneys aren't working as well, you may have trouble clearing it. And so these crystals, they really don't dissolve and sometimes they lodge in joints. The typical joint he really likes is the first two because it's nice, it's cold, and the crystals really like to settle in such joints. And so when they do, the body doesn't really like them in there. And so the body sends its soldiers, the white blood cells, it sends its soldiers there and they try to swallow it up, but they can't. And so every time you have a gout attack, it's really because your white cells are going in there. They're trying to engulf these crystals and get it away. They're trying to help, but unfortunately it's fruitless. And so each time they try to engulf, it causes this firestorm. And if people feel like they got smashed by a hammer on their foot, and that is gout. Very, very well explained. I love it. <laughs> Fighting. Uh, so uh, how do we how do we diagnose gout? Uh, because right like there can be so many different types of uh, pain. Uh, how do you what's what's the recommended uh, treat, uh, diagnosis for gout right yeah. now? Okay. So, you know, so the first thing would be your doctor will probably draw blood. Although funny, there are some kits now where you can actually test yourself. Um, but usually people will test themselves and find that their uric acid level in their blood is high, which is does not mean you have gout, but potentially suggests that you're at risk for gout. So your doctor will probably start with that. And then your doctor will listen to your history and examine you and kind of figure out, well, how many joints do you have that are involved? Some people have lumps. Um, sometimes it's on their elbows, on their knees, on their toes, which is like lumps of gout. And your doctor can look at that and see. And sometimes, you know, it's based on your history. You feel like I'm fine. I get this attack. feels like somebody smashed my toe with a hammer. And then I feel fine after a few days or a few weeks. And then it comes back. Right. So that history of that acute intermittent symptom is something that kind of your doctor's ears will kind of perk up. Um, and then x-rays are helpful. 
And sometimes your doctors may do ultrasounds or even just further imaging. They're actually very sophisticated imaging now called a dual energy CT scan, which is just a sophisticated CT scan that can differentiate between gout and other kinds of crystals. So lots of ways for your doctor to run tests to um, try to figure out if you have gout. I haven't done as many like taking fluid out of the joint, especially the toe in recent times. So painful. Nobody loves that. When I come to you with, your toe is already painful and I come with a needle, you're not loving me one bit. But sometimes larger joints like the knees, I would take the fluid out and we can look under the microscope and then we can identify uric acid and pretty much confirm gout. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. There is a question that I get very often. They, a patient will come and they'll have like a lot of joint pain and it looks like gout uh, with the first toe involved and then, you know, a big knee. And they're like, yeah, but the uric acid that was drawn during my attack in the ER was normal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so very common, right? Say about 20% of the time, um, doing an attack, you find that the uric acid level is low, right? And so people are falsely reassured that, oh, it's not gout because my uric acid level was low. And so for those people, you want to recheck it um, when they're not having an attack. And Mm -hmm. that's when you really kind of be like, ah, your uric acid level is actually higher than we thought, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, that's really cool. Yeah, thank you. But that's a common, that's very common. Yeah, I get that too. The other the other question is about the treatment because a lot of patients are like, yeah, I, I tried this medication. It actually made my gout worse. Uh, and you and I know exactly which medication. Yes. That's about, yeah. right? so talk, talk to us about treatment. Well, gout yeah. is the I like to think about the treatment for gout as one, the acute problem. There is pain. Get rid of the pain, right? So, you know, there's conservative things you can do at that point when we're just thinking about getting rid of pain. You elevate the food, keep yourself hydrated. You know, anti-inflammatory medications are options. For my reasons, usually by the time patient sees me, they've taken so many anti-inflammatory medications that I typically tend to veer away from that. But yes, NSAIDs and anti-indomethacin, those kind of things, naprosine are options, but they've used it so many times that they are at risk for damaging their kidneys. So I typically stay away from that. And the other thing that I would I typically do is steroids. So whether it's pills of steroids or shots of steroids. Um, and then there's a medication called colchicine. Way back in the day, right, you'd say take as many colchicines as you can tolerate by the time you have diarrhea. We don't do that anymore. And there's nothing worse than having diarrhea and a swollen foot. How do you, how do you get there? <laughs> right? so, so we try not to give so much colchicine anymore. I just use it like, you know, maybe two pills on day one and then, you know, if you can tolerate it. But I tend not to give as many as that. So that's typically the acute, you know, I'm here, I'm in pain, solve my problem right? And then there is kind of the more, okay, the pain has resolved. How do we prevent the next attack, right? So if your doctor kind of identified that, yeah, you're going to be prone to multiple attacks or they found damage in your joints, right? So the big thing is we're all living longer and longer. How do we preserve the joint? How do we prevent joint damage? So the medications are two. So there's one um, which is the colchicine, which helps to prevent attacks, right? So that I typically have my patient on that for a long period of time. But then there's a second problem, which is that there are there is uric acid being formed. So colchicine, I tell my patients that colchicine is like 
there is a wall <laughs> and and the and the and the room has light coaches in terms of the light so that they nobody can see right then there's no attack right so it's terms of the light because um the reason why people get attacked is movement of uric acid right so if you are like so when i used to work in the va my vets um used to love to go sh- um, fishing and so they would eat, get shellfish wash it down with beer and Monday morning was gout clinic, right? So when you have that high load uric acid, it precipitates a gout attack, right? So if you eat a lot of high protein foods like that, you get an attack because your blood uric acid goes so high and your body's like, well, what do we do with it? Then it sends it into the joint. Well, anytime uric acid is going into the joint, you are prone to a gout attack. On the other hand, you are being good. You are hydrating. You're taking medications that lower your uric acid. Then your uric acid level starts to drop. And you're like, this is a good time, right? Um, unfortunately, when your uric acid levels drop and it drops really low, well, the uric acid you have in the joint is like, oh, well, maybe we can get out into your bloodstream. So uric acid goes into your bloodstream. And you know what happens? You get an attack because your body says, why is uric acid moving up and down? So it sends its white blood cells to engulf the uric acid crystals and that triggers your body's immune system and it just causes this massive inflammation like a fire, right? So colchicine helps to put out the fire, prevents your white cells from even identifying that there are crystals going on while your body gradually gets rid of the uric acid. So there are two medications, the medication that prevents the attack like the colchicine, and then there's a medication that stops you from making any more uric acid so that the ones you have can gradually dissolve out. So those are kind of the two-pronged approach. Um, So if you take one without the other, you're not really getting to your goal. And the goal is protect your joints, get rid of uric acid, stop making so much so you can have a good quality of life. All right. Awesome. And then, you know, there is a new, well, it's new-ish. It's, it's been around for quite a bit now. There's a new drug uh, called Cristexa uh, Peglutikase, right? Can you tell us when you usually use it for patients with gout? Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, you, we, the typical way to start off is, you know, you know, the medications, the other medications that stop production of uric acid, they're both pills. Um, for people who can't tolerate it or for people who have just significant joint damage, like some people actually, sometimes gout is painful, like I said, like the hammer, but sometimes it's quiet, right? It goes into this stage where you just continue to accumulate. You get x-rays and you find there's damage. Or they have lumps on their elbows, lumps on their toes. They can't wear shoes. One of my patients, he couldn't wear the shoe. He has to get a different size for the other foot, right? So when there's damage to joints where there's lumps of uric acid that you can never get rid of otherwise. In fact, once patient was, uh, this, the podiatrist called me because he wanted to amputate the toe. And I was like, hold on, hold on. Hold on, let's get rid of a tophi first because you know the lump of gout was so severe that it was ulcerating through the skin and they kept trying to treat this infection and they couldn't. So basically this medication called Cristexa kind of melts away the crystals, dissolves it and gets rid of them. And it's really an amazing, I think for us in rheumatology, other than the rheumatoid arthritis medication, that is the next That's the most amazing thing that has hit, you know, that is the equivalent of our iPhone, actually, 
right? We are so in awe of, of just that technological improvement that has really dramatically improved the quality of lives of our patients. Can you talk us, to us about the diet and lifestyle? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, one, of my, one of my pet peeves is that people really feel that, you know, there's a stigma to gout right? People feel that, well, if only I could eat the right things, um, um, I, would be, I wouldn't have gout. And there's a stigma. People feel, well, all you have to do, well, and other people kind of look at them like, you know, because I think back in the day, Henry VIII had gout, right? It was thought to be a disease that people had from gluttony, right? Um, I think even Benjamin Franklin had gout. And he said, if you stay away from the beer, um, You know, and he said beer and women, and the women have nothing to do with gout, but he did identify that beer was a problem. <laughs> right? So, you know, so so the big deal is that it's it's really not um it's we have evolved, right? We have evolved to a point where we don't really have the enzyme to break down uric acid anymore. Um, it just is not something that our body thought was useful especially when we were hunter-gathering back in the day, right? Now we have such plentiful, rich diets that our body just can't process it. We're actually bigger than we used to be. Like the average man, we're bigger than we used to be even 100 years ago. So it's really our muscle mass is different. We're not even just talking about being overweight, right? So definitely, you're, if you're on a strict diet, and so strict, low-protein diet, um then you may be able to lose about 10% of uric acid. So on average, I'll say people with gout may have a uric acid that's about 10 milligrams per DL. And usually we want that uric acid at least less than six. So if you have 10 milligrams, you reduce it by 10%. Now you're at 9.1, okay? So you really haven't gotten to where you need to be. So the most important things with diet, I tell my patients is one, you want to make sure that you're well hydrated. Two, you want to avoid the things that we know for sure are going to precipitate gout. So beer is a number one culprit for drinks. Water is your friend, right? The second thing is shellfish. I'm in the Pacific Northwest. It's hard. When I say shellfish, my patients, their eyes open wide. You mean no crab? You mean no oysters? I, exactly. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Okay. So I said, you can have salmon, right? You can have white fish. Um, and then, you know, um, and then anything with high fructose corn syrup, you know, that's not good for you anyway, right? Anything with high fructose corn syrup should be avoided. So those are kind of the big things. And people say, well, what about asparagus? What about, you know, um, broccoli? There's some protein. It's not the vegetables. It's not the vegetables that's causing the gout. So eat away on the asparagus, right? That's not the problem, right? It is the high fructose corn syrup. It is the shellfish. It is the, I'm from Nigeria, right, originally. And we love those innards, the liver, the kidney. The, if I'm getting hungry talking about it. But no, we're not allowed. You can't be having all those innards and delicacies when you have gout. But other than that, I really think the benefits of medication allows you to have a good quality of life avoid those known triggers and then let's move forward that's kind of my thoughts that's what i advise my patients love it you know it's funny i've in france they love they love uh shellfish also during the the holiday period right like christmas and all this and so i had some patients that are like yeah you know i just take two countries in instead of one that day <laughs> Like whenever they eat like crazy amount, they're just like, no, I'll, I'll do preventive consciousness. <laughs> yes. like, okay, they have a general idea. 
it's a good it's a good idea but you know they're like yeah no i'm gonna eat my shellfish and i'm gonna take two two cultures in and hopefully i won't have like a gout flare but yeah no i really like i like it i think that that's uh such an important to- topic that there should not be stigma about having gout and you know it's it's there's a, a lot of it that's genetic and um yes you know just we have so many good treatments now and i yes. have quite a bit of patients who are absolutely normal weight and have gout. Um, yes. I haven't yeah. had one that's under, like, you know, that's really thin and that is a gout. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's, there's a lot of genetics. Uh, so yeah, I think that that's a very good, uh, that's almost like a good, an awesome lecture on gout. I think that that's really, really cool. So, you know, um, this, this podcast is, watched by many listened by many where do you want them to watch you what's what's the uh your your youtube video or facebook group yeah yeah i will yeah so um yeah uh my youtube link is healthy joints healthy life with dr dada and so yeah like it subscribe to it you can also find me if you're in the greater northwest at overlakearthritis.com and if you're in the greater seattle area just google dr dada and you can find me Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Dada, and then see you next time. Thank you so much, Dr. Amigis. I love your show. I appreciate what you do for our patients. See you next time.